Hello, and welcome to another White Horse Media presentation. White Horse Media presents Amazing Discoveries with international speaker and best-selling author Steve Wolberg. Our goal is to continue to produce life-changing and biblically-based presentations. We hope you enjoy this series. At the end of this CD, you'll receive more information on this ministry and how you can obtain some additional resources. In today's program, Steve will examine some amazing discoveries about the beast's greatest deception. Now, here's Steve. Good evening, everyone. Welcome here. Thank you for coming to our Amazing Discoveries Bible Prophecy Seminar. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. This will be our opening text. Daniel 7, the 25th verse. Tonight's meeting is an eight-seat-belt subject. This is one of the biggest, one of the hottest subjects that we can study about, one of the hottest subjects facing the Christian world, facing us tonight. The title is called The Beast's Greatest Deception Affecting You. We want to begin with prayer as we always do, so let's bow our heads and let's lift up our hearts to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Father, Father in heaven, we pray for the Holy Spirit to be here as we study the Bible. This is a big subject, an eight-seat-belt subject. Please help me as I share the Word of God with the people that are here. We pray for your leading and for your power and for your blessing tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'd like to ask my audience two things as we get into this subject, because this is so big, so shocking. I don't think anybody's going to have a heart attack tonight, but I'd like to ask, number one, that you're willing to hear me out, and I believe you'll do that. And then the second thing is that you're willing to check it out from the Bible. Does that sound like two fair requests? To hear me out and then to check it out according to the good book and see if it's really true. So here we go. The beast's greatest deception affecting you. Our opening text is Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. We talked about this a couple of nights ago about the power called the little horn mentioned in Bible prophecy. And verse 25 says, He shall speak great words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and he will think to do what? This power will think to change times and laws. There it is up on the screen. This is what the Bible says about this little horn. Now, we talked about this the other night and how I mentioned that the horn in history has changed the second commandment of the ten, and we talked about that briefly. But there's something else that we haven't focused on yet, and it's deep inside this verse. If you look carefully, the Bible not only says he would think to change laws, but what's the word after change? He will think to change times and laws. Right, now this is a very mysterious word there, times and laws. Now this is part of Bible prophecy. It's right in the heart of the book of Daniel. It's a prediction of something that this horn would do. Now before we actually get into what this means and how, how this applies to us today and to things happening around the world, I'd like us to take a look at another passage. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12. This is a beautiful passage that really helps put these different texts in perspective and helps us to understand more thoroughly our subject. Daniel chapter 12, let's take a look at the fourth verse. Daniel 12, 4. We read this verse on the second night of the seminar. The Bible says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Seal the book. The prophet was told, Until what time? Until the time of the end. And in the time of the end, something, according to this passage, is going to happen. The Bible says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be what? 
knowledge shall be increased in the time of the end. Now here's the verse also up on the screen. Now basically what this means is that as we get closer to the coming of Jesus, as we get to the final time of the end, knowledge is going to be increasing in the minds of God's children. And that especially applies to the book of Daniel and to the study of Bible prophecy. Now what this is basically saying is that God is going to be teaching us in the final generation things that previous generations of godly Christians haven't understood. They haven't known. It doesn't mean that they're lost or that we're any better than them. It just means that in the final times, God is going to be teaching us new things. So we should be looking for a deeper understanding from the scriptures as we get closer to the coming of Jesus. Now, as we get farther into the subject, I want to make a public statement, and that is that I don't believe that as we get into this topic that anybody, you know, as I go into this shocking subject, I'm not saying that anybody here is lost because you've never understood this or, or previous generations of people are lost because they haven't understood this at all. All I'm saying is that my conviction is that we're now living in a final time, a special time called the time of the end, and God is revealing new things. Knowledge is increasing to us, which hasn't been given to former generations. And it's my deepest conviction that a lot of this increase of knowledge has to do with that word up there, that word times. Knowledge about the changing of the times. This is part of the knowledge that God wants to give us as we continue to study Bible prophecy. If you can see over on my left here, we've got the Tower of Truth, and we're going to put points up there one by one, just like we have been doing on previous nights. Changing times and laws and knowledge is going to be increased. I don't think there's anybody here, and I certainly feel this applies to myself, nobody here has a total corner on the truth, amen? We all have things to learn, don't we? Uh, somebody once said the biggest room in the world, biggest room is the room for improvement. And we all have things to learn and areas to improve in, and I hope and pray by the grace of God we're going to learn some major new things tonight and that prophecy will be fulfilled. Okay, let's go to our next text. Mark, Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. We're going to look up a lot of verses tonight. And again, I pray that you'll just hear me out and be willing to study these things out only from the Bible to see if they're right, to see if they're true. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. That's on page 1007 if you're using the seminar Bibles. Mark 16, verse 9 records one of the greatest events in the history of the world which we as Christians, or if we're all Christians, we believe this very strongly with all of our hearts. Mark 16, verse 9, the Bible says, Now, when Jesus, praise the Lord, was risen early, on what day? On the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Now, here is an account of the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I do too. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, we'd all be lost. Our hope is centered in Jesus Christ, and His resurrection is part of that hope. Now, notice carefully, based upon the text, what day does the Bible specifically say Jesus Christ rose? It says He rose on the first day of the week. Right, now, now if I were to ask you what day is the first day of the week, what would you say? Sunday. Okay, I heard it. Good sound. Okay, why don't we put that next point up there? It's pretty common knowledge that the first day of the week is Sunday. And in fact, I've got a big New World Dictionary up here. And just in case anybody has any doubts, which I don't think anybody does, it says here, Sunday is the first day of the week. Okay, now turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. I know we all know that, but it doesn't hurt to see it in the dictionary too. Exodus chapter 20. Now what we're, gonna, what we're about to do is we're about to look at the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20. 
Let's take a look at the eighth verse. We've been studying about the Ten Commandments in the seminar the last few nights, and this is number four that God wrote with his own finger on two tables of stone. Verse 8 says, remember. Now it's interesting, this is the only one of all ten of the ten that starts out with that word, remember. In other words, God doesn't want us to forget this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now this is not the fourth suggestion, but this is the fourth commandment of Almighty God that he wrote on solid stone. Now if you go down to verse 9 and 10, Scripture says, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Now we're putting these different points here up on the board. This Tower of Truth, we've got the first day of the week, that's the day that Jesus rose. We have the fourth commandment that we're reading from right now, and the Bible says the seventh day. Now notice the seventh day is different from the first day. The seventh day is the Sabbath, and the Scripture says it is the Sabbath of who? The Sabbath of the Jews? No, it says it is the Sabbath of the Lord. It's the Lord's Sabbath. Now, what day is the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day? Well, here's my dictionary again. Yes, that's right, I heard it. If there's any, let's see, here we go. Under Sabbath, this is what the big dictionary says. It says Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, which is, has been set aside by the fourth commandment. Amazing, that's all right there in, in the New World Dictionary of the American Language. So we have it in our Bibles and the dictionary confirms it also. So let's keep reading. Going down to verse 11, verse 11 gives us the reason for this commandment. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and he rested on the seventh day. So the, here are different points. First of all, God says, remember that day, and then he tells us that the day to remember is the seventh day. It is his Sabbath, the Sabbath of the Lord. And then we go down to verse 11, and it tells us the reason why God gave us the Sabbath is because in six days he made everything, heaven, earth, the sea, and all that is in them. In other words, this commandment points to the great author, the great creator of all life. And then it goes on and says at the end of the verse, he rested on the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And what did he do to it? He hallowed, he hallowed it. He blessed it and he made that day a special, holy, sacred day. He hallowed that special day. And I don't believe that we should change what God has done. When God made the world in six days and rested on the seventh day, that is it can't be changed, just like a person's birthday. You can't change your birthday, and we can't change what God did at the beginning of the world. But now we've also read in Daniel 7.25, here's this prophecy, this mysterious prophecy about this little horn power. And notice what the Bible says about, about him, that this horn would think to change, and what's that next word again? Times, right, times and laws. That's what the scripture says. Now this is an amazing discovery, amazing discovery. First of all, of all 10, only one of them says, remember, and that's the fourth one. And then that's the only one really that has to do with times also. All the other commandments talk about different things, but the fourth one says the seventh day is the Sabbath. It's talking about time. And it's amazing that that particular commandment has in fact been changed and this little horn power has stated so historically. Now I'm going to share a quote with you, which this is an eight seat belt quotation, 
But here it is. This is from a convert's catechism of Catholic doctrine. It's a basic little catechism about the beliefs of the Church of Rome. And it says here on page 50, it says, question, what day is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? And then it says, the answer is, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because, hold on to your seats, because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. They come right out there in their catechism. This is not the only place where they say this. In fact, there are, there are hundreds of statements from the Church of Rome, historically, where they come right out and they say, we change the Bible Sabbath into Sunday. Now, what we're gonna do tonight is basically study this issue out. We're studying one of the hottest and most controversial subjects that's facing the Christian world tonight. And we're gonna ask ourselves these questions. Is it really true? Did the Catholic Church really change the Bible Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday? And if they did, is this really fulfilling Bible prophecy, the scripture which says that the little horn would think to change times and laws, the times of the law of God, the fourth commandment, the only one that has to do with time? Is this really true? We're going to try to find this out. That's why, that's why I've said this is an eight-seatbelt eight night subject. And again, all I ask is for, for an open mind. I ask for people just to hear me out. And then I ask to study this out from the Bible, not to take my word for it or anybody's word for it, but just to be willing to check it out in the good book and see what does the Word of God really actually teach on this subject. Does that sound fair? Okay, praise the Lord. I think it's a fair request. Okay, let's go to our next text. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and all the verses that we're going to be looking at from now on are all going to be in the New Testament. What does the Bible say? That's the most important question that we should be asking. Luke chapter 4, the 16th verse. Now, this question that we're going to ask, we'll, we'll find the answer right here. What day did Jesus Christ keep when he was here on earth? Luke chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible tells us that he came to Nazareth when he had, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, the regular custom or practice of Jesus, he went into the synagogue on what day? He went in on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Now, if this was Jesus' regular custom to keep the Sabbath, if you count up how many Sabbaths that would be during his lifetime of approximately 33 years, it would be about 1,500 Sabbaths that Jesus kept during his life. So he definitely kept that day as the Bible Sabbath. Now, let's go down to the next text. Let's go to Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. We know what day Jesus kept. Now, here's the next question. What day did Jesus Christ claim? What did he claim as his own day? This is a huge question. Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at the eighth verse. Jesus said, for the Son of Man, and he's referring to himself, the Son of Man is, and the next word there is Lord. He's the Lord. The Lord even of what day? even of the Sabbath day, right? Now, notice this passage. There's a lot of depth in this text. When Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath day, he's saying a mouthful. He's not just saying that he's keeping the Sabbath, but he's saying, I'm Lord of that day, which really means that he is more than just a man. 
The Bible says that the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it, and the Lord rested on the seventh day. And the Lord blessed the seventh day, and the Lord hallowed that day. And when Jesus said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, what is he basically saying? He's saying, I'm God. I'm God in human form. That's what he's saying. He's saying a lot, and he is God. He's more than just a man. He is God himself in human form, the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, let's go on. Matthew chapter 28. And what about the word Sunday? Actually, that word itself is, isn't in the Bible, but there's a phrase which is used, and the phrase is called the first day of the week. And that phrase is actually mentioned eight times in the New Testament, and we're about to look up every one of them as quickly as we can. We've got a lot to do. Matthew chapter 28, let's start with verse 1. Verse 1 says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now what's happening here is Matthew, first book of the New Testament, is describing, he's giving an account of the resurrection of Jesus. And Matthew says it was when the Sabbath was over, then when the first day of the week came, that's when Jesus Christ rose. And I believe that with all my heart that Christ rose on the first day of the week. Now notice, there's two different, different days here. When the Sabbath was over, then the next day is the first day of the week. And we have an account of the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, let's go to text number two. That's found in Mark. Mark chapter 16, verses one and two. You've just finished Matthew. Just turn to the next book, go to Mark. Go to the last chapter in the book, and let's see what Mark says. Mark basically says the same thing Matthew does. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. 16, 1 and 2. The Bible says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome, they brought their sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. So here we have a similar passage like Matthew's passage. And again, notice we have two days. When the Sabbath was over, then the first day of the week, the women came early to the tomb at the rising of the sun. They found the stone rolled away when you keep reading, and they found that Jesus was not there, that he had been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And they, you know, the women were full of joy at this. Praise God. So here we have the same account. One day, Sabbath, next day is the first day of the week. Okay, that's text number two. Let's go down to verse nine. Verse nine, we've Actually, I already read this. We'll just read it briefly again. Now, when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And we'll talk about this later, that Jesus appeared first to the women. So here we have reference number three, early the first day of the week. Okay, reference number four. Let's go to Luke. Matthew down, Mark down. Now let's go to Luke, chapter 23. Three down, five to go. We're going to look up every reference. We're going to look at them honestly and sincerely and try to find out what they actually say. Okay, now before we actually read the fourth reference, we need to get a little background. Let's go to verse 46. Luke 23, the 46th verse. Luke 23, verse 46. Verse 46 says, When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And this is the moment where Jesus Christ died. He stretched out his, his hands were stretched out. He breathed his last breath. And he said, Father, it is finished. He breathed his final breath and he died. He died. Now, if you go down to verse 54, verse 54 says, That day, the day of his death, that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. Now, that day, most Christians call Good Friday. 
the day that Jesus died. Now, there is some controversy over this, and I'll go into my reasons in just a few moments why I do believe Jesus Christ did die on Friday, the day that the majority of the Christian world calls Good Friday. I believe that. It was Good Friday. The Bible says here that that day was the preparation day. It was preparing for the Sabbath, and it says the Sabbath drew on. The Sabbath was coming closer. Now, in Bible reckoning, the day actually begins when the sun goes down. So when the sun went down Friday night, that was the beginning of the Sabbath. When the Sabbath goes from sundown Friday night all the way till sundown Saturday night. It's a 24-hour period, sundown to sundown. And so when Jesus died Friday, the Sabbath was drawing on because the sun was going down. Now let's keep going. In verse 55, the scripture says, The women also which came with him from Galilee followed after. These were followers of Jesus. They followed after his body as it was taken off the cross. And they beheld the sepulcher, which was the tomb, and how his body was laid. That was late sometime Friday afternoon. And then they returned. They went back to Jerusalem. They prepared their spices and their ointments. And their plan was to go back to the tomb and anoint his body. But the Sabbath came first, and they decided to wait. And so the rest of the text says that they rested, notice, they rested on the Sabbath day according to what? According to the commandment. Right, this is a very, very important verse. Now, I just want to make a few comments about this. First of all, these were Christian women. These were followers of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they rested on the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now, when it says commandment, it's talking about this commandment, the fourth commandment, the only one that says remember. And they were doing this. Now, some people ask me, they say, Brother Steve, they say, how come all the Ten Commandments are all listed in the New Testament except for one, except for the Sabbath? Why isn't that there? And when I hear that, that question, I think to myself, it is there. If you really look carefully, in fact, it's many different places, which we'll also look up tonight, but it's right there in Luke 23, 56. It says they rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. There it's there, isn't it? It's right there. Now, here's an important question. When were these women keeping the Sabbath? Were they doing it before the cross or were they doing it after the cross? They were doing it after the cross, right? These women are keeping the Sabbath according to the commandment, which was right there, the fourth commandment, and they were doing it after Jesus Christ died. And that shows that the Sabbath, according to the commandment, was still there. In fact, Luke wrote this 28 years after the resurrection. This is a very important text. Now, I think that this verse is actually so important that the devil, the devil, he hates this passage, and the devil would like to take a scissors. Now the devil, this is what he'd like to do. He'd like to take this text that says they rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment and he would like to take a scissors and he'd like to clip this text right out of the Bible. Now I'm not going to do that and when I share, th share this in front of my audience, this is I take my scissors, I get right there and everybody goes, don't do it. And believe me, I don't do it because I believe we shouldn't be cutting things out of the Bible. Amen? But this is just to prove my point. The devil would like to take this text out of the Bible because this verse is proof positive that the fourth commandment as a commandment was there after the cross of Jesus Christ. It's right there, very, very plain. Okay, let's go down to the next, just jot down to the very next verse. And here is reference number four. The Bible says, Now upon the first day of the week, Early in the morning, they came back to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And that's when they found that, this, that the stone had been rolled away. So here we have another day, which is called the first day of the week. And this is actually the fourth reference to the first day of the week in the New Testament. Now notice, we have three days here. We have the day that Jesus died, which was the preparation day, before the Sabbath. That's one day. 
And then we have the women resting the Sabbath day according to the commandment. That's the next day. And then we have the first day of the week, the women come to the tomb and they find out Jesus was raised from the dead. So we have Friday, Good Friday, Sabbath, Sunday. Three days. Three days. It's, clear as, it's as clear as sunlight. In fact, Jesus said over and over again, I will rise on the third day, didn't he? And that was the first day of the week. So it's right there. That's why I believe Jesus did die on Friday. The next day was the Sabbath according to the commandment. And then the next day was the first day of the week when Jesus went back to work, raised, was raised from the dead, and then continued his ministry, whereas he rested in the tomb during the sacred hours of the Sabbath. So that is reference number four. Okay, let's go to John. Four down, four to go. John chapter 20. And let's take a look at verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1. The Bible says, this is John's account, on the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark, came, she came to the sepulcher and she saw the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. So here is reference number five and basically John is saying the same thing Luke says, same thing Mark said, and the same thing Matthew said. They all agree that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead on the first day of the week. Okay, now let's go down to verse 19 and 20. Here is reference number six, and this is actually a little bit different. We have a new, a new concept coming here. In verse 19, the Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now this was the same day, it was Sunday, it was toward evening, it's probably late Sunday afternoon, and the disciples were gathered together inside of some little room in Jerusalem. The Bible says the doors were shut and they were assembled, it says, for fear of the Jews. Their knees were just knocking away and they were scared. This was not a worship service. They didn't even know that Jesus had been resurrected. Now why were they so afraid? Well, the reason is because these disciples, these men, had heard the reports from the women who had been at the tomb. And the women came back and the women said, boys, you're not going to believe this, but we saw the Lord. And the angel told us to go tell you that he's been raised from the dead. And the disciples, the men, looked at the women and guess what they thought? They didn't think, you're right. Wow. They thought, have you been drinking? Something's wrong with you ladies, and they didn't believe. Now then they thought, well, if the body's gone, the women at least probably have that right, they thought, that must mean that somebody stole his body. And if the, somebody stole it, the Jews are gonna think we did it to try to fabricate a resurrection, and the next thing we know, they're gonna be knocking on the door, coming here to arrest us. And so they were terrified for fear of the Jews. And then it says in verse 19 that Jesus came right there and he stood in their midst. And he said to them, peace be unto you. He just appeared and showed up right there, the risen Lord. And verse 20 says, when, they, when he had so said, he showed to them his hands and his side. He said, it's me, fellas. You should have believed the ladies. It's me. And then the Bible says, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now they finally believed that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. So this is reference number six. It's obviously not a, a religious gathering. It was just a gathering because they were scared to death. Okay, let's go to reference number seven. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, page 1146. Reference number seven to the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We'll read verses 1, 2, and 3. It's good to hear those pages turning. I know there's a lot of interest here. People are thinking, wow, could this possibly be true? Let's check it out. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1. Paul says, now concerning the collection for the saints. 
Now, we don't have time to read it right now, but when you read uh, Romans 15, verse 25 and 26, Paul talks about poor saints, believers that were in Jerusalem, and Paul was going around different churches raising money from these different new churches to gather these, these funds and take them to help these poor believers in Jerusalem. And he's doing the same thing here in Corinth. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. I want you to do the same thing. And then in verse 2, here's this seventh reference. Upon the first day of the week, there it is, first day of the week, let, and notice he says, every one of you. Now he's talking about individual individuals, what they're supposed to do on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. Now the Greek for this phrase actually means every one of you individually lay by yourself in storage at home. Lay some offering aside on a regular basis every first day of the week. Look back and see how God has blessed you financially and then lay something aside as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Because Paul was going to swing by Corinth and he wanted all of these things that had been put aside every first day of the week to be taken and put in one place so when he went to Corinth he could just pick it up, didn't have to go out and gather it, it could just be picked up and then he could take it on his way to Jerusalem to give it to these poor believers. So he says that there be no gatherings when I come, because I'm coming to Corinth, and then verse 3 says, when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, someone authorized by the church of Corinth, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. So here he gives uh, his counsel. He says, I'm going to swing by Corinth. I'd like to pick it up and take it with me. Now, when you just read the text, it doesn't say anything about a church service. It doesn't say anything about the resurrection. It's simply a good day to look back at the week, see how God has blessed you, and to start laying aside something financially week after week for these poor believers that were there in Jerusalem. So that's reference number Number seven. Okay, let's go on to our last reference, which is found in Acts chapter 20. Now, this is the big one. This is the most controversial of them all. Acts chapter 20, and let's, the verse is actually found in verse seven, and we'll look at verses six through, six through 14. We really have to study this out. Okay, and actually we'll start with verse six. And I've got a chart up here that we'll try to just walk you through this and do this as quick as I can and so you can see what's actually happening here in Acts 20. This is the famous reference, the only reference in the book of Acts to the first day of the week. In verse 6, Luke is writing, he said, we sailed, and this is talking about Luke and, and Paul and their party, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, we came to them, which is to other disciples, we came to Troas in five days, and there we abode for seven days. So here's the place, and I, if you look on the bottom there of that little map there, you can see Troas, they were in Troas, Luke and Paul and their party, for seven days. Troas was a little place uh, in the area that we call Asia Minor or modern Turkey, and it was right next to another little place called Asos, and I'll talk about that. And there was a little church there, and the disciples were together, and Luke and Paul were traveling around, and they went to Troas to visit with the believers, and they were there for seven days, and that's very important, that number seven. Okay, verse six, or verse seven continues, and Luke continues and says, upon the first day of the week, Here's the eighth reference. When the disciples came together to break bread, now if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, and this is actually in the study guide when you leave, that in Acts 2, verse 46, the Bible says they broke bread every day. They did this daily. So this was their regular practice. 
And it says they did this on the first day of the week. They came together to break bread. And the reason is, as you continue reads, reading, it says Paul preached to them ready to depart on the morrow. And he continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. So Luke says this was on the first day of the week. It was obviously at night because there were many lamps burning. And they gathered together to listen to Paul because Paul was preaching and he was going to leave the next day. And Paul preached a long sermon. He preached all the way until midnight. Now, follow this thought. If this was the first day of the week or the first of the week, and if this was at night and Paul preached till midnight, then what time really did this meeting take place? Remember, the day begins at sunset. When the sun goes down Friday night, that's the beginning of the seventh day. When the sun goes down Saturday night, that's the end of the seventh day and the beginning of the first day of the week. Saturday night is the dark part of the first day of the week, and then it goes on until the, until the sun goes down on Sunday. That whole part is the first day of the week. Here's a statement from a Bible scholar named Horatio B. Hackett. He wrote a book called Commentary on the Book of Acts, page 329 and 330. This is what he says. The Jews reckoned the day from evening till morning, and on that principle, the evening of the first day of the week would be our Saturday night. The apostle held his last religious service on Saturday evening, and consequently, he, re he resumed his journey on Sunday morning. So this was actually a late night, Saturday night gathering. In fact, the New English Bible, if you just open up that Bible, it says on Saturday night when the disciples came together to break bread, and there are other Bibles that say this. So this was a Saturday night gathering. Now what happened that night? Let's keep reading. Let's go down to verse 9. Verse 9 goes on. and. Paul says, or Luke is writing, and he says that there sat in a window a certain young man whose name was Eutychus. Interesting name. Any Eutychuses here? I don't think so. Eutychus, and he was fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching. I tell you, if you think I preach long, Paul preached a lot longer than I do. He preached, he was preaching all, all night until midnight, and this young man was sitting up in the third, up in this loft, and he's listening to Paul, and he starts getting a little bit, you know, queasy, and, and he's getting, I don't know, bored, and finally he just closes his eyes, and he goes to sleep, and he falls down off the third loft, all the way down, 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 and actually it was a disaster, and they, he, they, they found him down there in a the pool of blood. It says he sunk down with sleep and he fell down from the third loft and he was taken up dead. Now, can you imagine? The last night that Paul preaches, this man dies right there during his preaching service. Now, Paul just couldn't have that happen, you know. So he goes down there and he sees, of course, he stopped preaching. He goes down and finds this young man lying there in a pool of blood. And, and I don't know what he did or exactly how he prayed this prayer, but he got down probably on his knees and he probably just, you know, got over there and, and prayed and said, oh, dear God, dear Lord Jesus Christ, this is my last night. These are my believers, my friends. And, and I know this young man and I just pray in the name of Jesus that you'll give this young man his life again. And then he looked and the young man opened his eyes. His heart began to beat. He got up. Maybe he went back up to the third loft. And maybe Paul walked back around to the pulpit. And maybe he said, our next text is. And continued to preach. When you continue to read, verse 10 says, Paul went down. He fell on him. He embraced him. He said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. And then in verse 12, it says, they brought the young man alive and they were not a little comforted, which means they were a lot comforted. Now imagine, let's say that somebody here tonight was so shocked by this subject, and let's say they were sitting on the front row, and, and the man just, uh, he had a heart attack. He fell down, and I said, stop 
stop the meeting, <laughs> stop the cameras, stop everything. And I went down there and I just, I prayed a prayer and I said, oh God, please, this is my Amazing Discoveries Prophecy Seminar. <laughs> We're recording this for TV. <laughs> please don't have this man die in my meetings. And if I went down there and prayed and I said, Jesus, please raise him up and this man, you know, his heart starts beating, his eyes open up, he sits up and sits back down. And then I walked back over to the pulpit and I opened my Bible and I said, our next text is, let me ask you, how long would you listen to me preach? <laughs> Probably a long time. And that's what happened to Paul. If you keep reading, it says in verse 11 that when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, he preached not only till midnight, but then after this resurrection, he preached all night till the break of day, and then the Bible says, so he departed, he hit the road. Now, where did it go and how far, how far was it? If you go down to verse 13, verse 13, Luke continues and says, we went before, or we went ahead of Paul to the ship, to a ship, and we sailed to Asos, there intending to take in Paul, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go on, to go afoot. And when he met with us at Asos, we took him in. Now let me just explain what's happening here. Luke probably, Saturday night, Luke probably said, Paul, we've got to go. And Paul said, I don't want to leave right now. These are my friends. This might be the last time I ever see them. And so Luke said, okay, we're just going to take off and, and you meet us. Or Paul said, we'll, I'll meet you in Asos. And so Luke, if I have my little pointer here, but you can't really see it with the screen because of rear view projection. But my little red pointer, I'd have a little bit of little dot from Troas. See right around the peninsula there? Luke sailed around the peninsula late Saturday night, and he got to Asos sometime on Sunday. And Paul said, I'll meet you there on foot. So Sunday morning, after the whole night's worth of preaching, Paul hit the road. And he probably, I don't know if he ran or walked fast. It's about 25 miles from Troas to Asos. 25 miles. And then finally, when he got to Asos, Luke took him in. And then he got on the ship, and then they continued on their journey. Now that was about, it's about 25 miles. And so what did Paul do on Sunday morning? He hit the road and journeyed for 25 miles. Now what does that say about Paul's consideration of the first day of the week as a sacred day? He did not think that the first day of the week was a holy day. He journeyed all night. Or I'm sorry, he, uh, he preached all night, and then Sunday morning he hit the road. Now if you look at this on the bottom there, and you see those days counted out. This is basically what's happening. Luke says that they were in Troas for seven days. They would have gotten there on a Sunday. That was their travel day. They were there on Sunday, that was the first day, and they were there on Monday, the second day, Tuesday, the third, Wednesday, the fourth, Friday, the fifth day, or Thursday, the fifth day, I'm sorry, uh, Friday, the sixth day, and then they would have kept the Sabbath with these believers the seventh day, Saturday night. That's when they had this final last get-together with Paul before he hit the road, and the whole purpose of the gathering was because this was the last time to say goodbye to Paul. And so they, Paul preached all Saturday night, and then Sunday morning he hit the road and traveled seven days. And that's really the evidence of what we find in the book of Acts as far as the first day of the week. First day of the week is only mentioned one time in the book of Acts, and that's it. It was a Saturday night get-together to say goodbye to Paul. And Sunday morning, he hit the road. So really, that's what the actual evidence is. Now, keep your seatbelts on. Go back to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. The first day of the week is only mentioned one time in the book of Acts. But what about the Sabbath? And here's another slide I put together called Sabbath Facts in the Book of Acts. It's got a nice ring to it. 
verse 42, Acts 13, 42, says, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them on what day? The next Sabbath. Now, the place where they are at is Antioch. And Paul was preaching there, and when the service was over, there were actually Jews and Gentiles listening to his preaching. And when the service was over, it says in verse 43, that when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and the religious proselytes, these were Gentiles, they followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. This is a key text. So Paul's preaching on the Sabbath about Jesus. There's Jews and Gentiles there. Some of these people approach him after the service, and they want to talk more, and Paul persuades them and encourages them, stay in the grace of God. You've now accepted Jesus Christ, just stay right there in God's grace. And they were in God's grace that day, Sabbath, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all throughout the week, they stayed in the grace of God. Now, if you go down to verse 44, verse 44 says, the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Now, this is a key text. First of all, it shows that Jews and Gentiles were keeping the Sabbath. Second of all, it shows Paul preached on the Sabbath. And third of all, it shows that grace was right there, which isn't contrary to the Sabbath. And they were in the grace of God all week. And then the next Sabbath day, the whole city came together to hear the word of God preached by the Apostle Paul. That's all he preached, was the word of the living God. So that's what we find there in the in the city of Antioch. Now, we don't have time to look up all these texts right now. If you go down to Acts chapter 16, we go to Philippi. And the Bible says that it was on the Sabbath day, verse 13, Luke and Paul went down to the river. There were no Jews there that we know of. There was no synagogue there, but the Sabbath was still there. It was still the Sabbath. In fact, Luke was the only Gentile writer of the New Testament, and it was still the Sabbath. This was many years after Jesus rose. And they decided to go down to the river to pray, and a lady was converted, and this became the nucleus of a brand new church, which was the church of the Philippians. And when you read your New Testament letter to the Philippians, you're reading Paul's letter to this early Sabbath-keeping church that was raised up through Paul's preaching that Sabbath, Sabbath day. And that was in Philippi. When you go to Acts chapter 17, it takes us to Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, Paul preached to Jews and Gentiles both. Many of them accepted his preaching. And as a result of this Sabbath preaching of the Apostle Paul about Jesus Christ, what happened was a new church was raised up. It says there that he preached for three Sabbath days, and there was a great multitude of Greeks there. And these people accepted Jesus, and this became the nucleus of a brand new church. And so when you read 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, you're reading Paul's letter to the early Sabbath-keeping church that was raised up through his preaching at that time. Now then you go down to Corinth, and this is found in Acts chapter 18. 18 uh, verses four, verse 4 and other verses, it tells us that every Sabbath day, Paul was there. He was preaching to Jews and Greeks both, and many people accepted his preaching. And this, was, this resulted in the raising up of a new church. And when you read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you're reading Paul's letters to the early Sabbath-keeping apostolic church that was raised up through the preaching of Paul on the Sabbath as he spoke and witnessed about Jesus Christ. That's what we find in the book of Acts, Sabbath facts from the book of Acts. So the bottom point on this Tower of Truth is the New Testament evidence is the Sabbath over and over and over again. Now, we're not going to look up this text right now. I don't have time, but just for the benefit of this audience and for our viewers and listeners in the future, there is one text in the New Testament, and this is in your study guide when you leave, that people quote over and over and over again 
contrary to what I'm saying tonight, and that is Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17. And that passage says, Paul says, don't let anybody judge you according to meat or drink or new moons or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. Now, when you read that text and then compare it with Leviticus 23, Leviticus 23 talks about ceremonial Sabbaths that took place every year, Passover, Day of Atonement, Feast of Trumpets, and these were also called Sabbaths, and they pointed forward to the coming of Jesus, and they were shadows pointing forward to Christ. But those Sabbaths are not the same, and it's only mentioned one time in the New Testament, those are not the same as the seventh-day Sabbath that came every week according to the fourth commandment that the women kept according to the commandment after Jesus Christ died. So if anybody ever shows you Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17, then just take them to Leviticus 23 and show them that this is talking about yearly Sabbaths, not the Sabbath according to the commandment, which was kept over and over and over and over again throughout the book of Acts. It's very important that we understand that. Now, what have we learned today as we've studied all these different points? What amazing discoveries have, have we made? Let me just summarize these different points. Point number one, we've learned that Sunday is the first day of the week mentioned in the Bible. Just like the second day of the week, third day of the week, fourth day of the week, it's never referred to by a, a holy name in any passage anywhere in Scripture. It is referred to eight times in the New Testament, and we've looked up every one of them, and not one of any of these eight times is it ever set aside in honor of the resurrection of Jesus. That idea that this is now a sacred day set aside in honor of the resurrection is not there. Paul traveled on that day, Jesus rose and went back to work on that day, and there's just nothing that it's been set aside in honor of the resurrection. Also, as we've looked at these different passages, it is never called the Lord's Day, ever in the New Testament. And we've seen that from these different passages. Now, one of the most significant points of all of these points is this, that of all these different references, this is the most shocking, to the first day of the week, not one was ever spoken directly from the lips of Jesus Christ. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ never said a word about the first day of the week. He never taught about it. He never changed the Sabbath into the first day of the week. He never gave his church authority to change it into the first day of the week. In fact, the church really has no authority to do anything other than what Jesus Christ taught, what he said in the Bible. At the end of Matthew, Jesus said, go to all the world, preach the gospel. And then he said, he said, command people to do everything or teach them to do everything that I have commanded you. And since Jesus never mentioned it, never taught about it, was completely silent about the first day of the week, then really the church of Jesus Christ has absolutely no authority whatsoever to teach that that is a holy day because that's not what Jesus Christ himself taught. That's a very, very significant point because the church is to be built upon Jesus Christ. Amen? and must be built upon the Lord. So that's point number five. Point number six is that Jesus kept, when he was here, he kept the seventh day. We've seen that. We've also seen that Jesus claimed that day as his own day. He said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath day, revealing that he himself is God. We've seen that his followers kept the Sabbath day in the book of Acts, in Antioch, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, and also in Corinth. Uh, point number eight, we saw that Jesus' followers rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment, which was the fourth commandment, and they did this after the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verse 56, my mind was moving fast, so here's point number nine that I was just talking about. And we've seen that the Sabbath was kept in the book of Acts by Jews and Gentiles, by believers in Jesus Christ, in Antioch, Philippi, Thessalonica, and in Corinth. 
These are the Bible facts as we really look at them. They're plain, they're simple, and they're actually right there, right in the Word of God for all to see. So, in the light of all of this, if Jesus never said a word about the first day of the week, never taught anything about it, didn't command his followers to keep it, we don't see it being kept in the New Testament as a holy day, we only see one gathering on a Saturday night, that's it. So if Jesus didn't teach it, if his apostles didn't teach it, if there's no record in the New Testament that it was changed according to divine inspiration, then the big question is, okay, well then, who, pray tell, changed the Bible Sabbath, the fourth commandment, the only one that God said, remember, who changed it into the first day of the week? Well, the answer to that question is found in the Catechism, the Convert's Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, page 50. Question, what day is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. And they're honest about this, it's true. The dictionary says it, uh, ask any Jew what day the Sabbath is, and the Bible tells us Jesus died on one day, then there was a Sabbath day, and then he rose on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. So it's very clear. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why then do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church substituted the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. It's right there. And this is not the only statement where they say this. They say this many, many times. And some people say, well, you know, seventh day, first day, does it make any difference? Imagine if I had, if there were seven women lined up here and the seventh woman was my wife and the first one wasn't, would it make any difference which woman I go home with tonight? <laughs> Can it make any difference? Well, ask the woman that's my wife. She'll tell you. Certainly it makes a difference. Uh, those of you that are married, ask your wife whether it makes a difference whether you remember your anniversary or not. It makes a difference, doesn't it? It certainly does. It makes a big difference. Now, here is the most shocking point of them all. Of all the things that we have studied, we have studied, here's two texts. Daniel 7.25 talks about the little horn power that he would think to change times and laws. That's a prophecy, isn't it? It's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, God wants us to understand this. Now, I honestly, I have never ever heard any explanation of this text that makes any sense at all other than the fact that the Roman Church changed the times of the law of God from the seventh day to the first day of the week. It's the only interpretation that makes sense of that text. Now when we go to Revelation chapter 13 verse 1 and 7, it talks about the beast. It says, power would be given to him over how many people? Over all people and tongues and nations. Now put all your seatbelts on right now as I make this statement. What we have just studied in our Bibles, this change from the Bible Sabbath to the first day of the week in history, and the fact that the majority of Christians tonight sincerely keep the first day of the week around the world, what we are looking at is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We are seeing the global power of the beast in action. We are seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled right in front of our eyes. Now in saying that, I want to clarify something, and that is that I'm not saying, and the Bible is not saying, that every person tonight, and this is the majority of the Christian world that keep the first day of the week, that they're lost or that they don't know the Lord. I don't believe that. I believe God has sincere Christians in all churches that do keep the first day of the week right now. Amen? I believe that, and I'm not saying that you're lost or your loved ones are lost or anything like this, but what I am saying, based upon the study of the Bible, 
is that we are now living in a very, very significant time. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says, in the time of the end, knowledge is going to be increased. In other words, people are going to be learning new things that they've never, ever learned before, that previous generations of godly Christians have never understood. The Bible says right there in Daniel 12, 4, seal the book even until the time of the end. And in the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and sometimes I wonder, maybe that means going back and forth to an Amazing Discoveries Bible Prophecy Seminar. <laughs> They're going to be running to and fro, driving to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. That's what's happening right now. It's happening around the world, not just here in Fort Worth, but there are tens of thousands of Bible-believing, sincere Christians all around this world who are now studying, who are being exposed, knowledge is increasing, and they are learning the truth from the Bible about the Sabbath of Jesus Christ that points to him as the Lord of the Sabbath, who made the world in six days, who rested on the seventh, who died on Friday, rested in the tomb, and rose on the first day of the week. The Sabbath reveals Jesus. It reveals truth about Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of folks that are learning these truths right now. My last text is John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, and we studied this in our last meeting, what does he want us to do? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I don't believe this is an issue of legalism. I believe it's an issue of love, love for the Lord, who died for us, who rested in the tomb, and who rose from the dead the third day to save our souls from sin. If we love Jesus, and if we see the Sabbath is important to him, that he's Lord of the Sabbath by the grace of God, we will want to remember that day and keep it holy according to the scriptures. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, Go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.